with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If you've been a part of Calvary Community Church for a while, do you hear Paul Sandberg in your ear? <laughs> Even though he's been in God's presence for several years now. Dear Susan, would you please come? Susan Ogney. Susan is a wonderful woman, gifted of God, to tell us stories with sticks. And children, you're going to love this. So sit in a place where you can see around the adults in front of you. Because, Susan, you've got a story about some men trusting Jesus, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, good morning. I'm going to bring you a story from the Bible. And if it comes from the Bible, we know it's true. And it's going to come from the book of Luke. And it's also in Matthew. But I chose the one in Luke because Luke was a doctor. And I think he might have understood the man we're going to talk about today. But the Bible tells us that there were four men, and they had a friend. Before I start this, I want you to listen for three words that start with this letter. Pastor found another one last night, too. So if you can find four words in my story that start with this letter, you get the bonus point. But listen for them, and when I'm all done, you can say what they are, okay? Well, these friends had a man who was lame. He could not walk. He couldn't run. He could not climb upstairs. In fact, he had a hard time even sitting. All he could do all day long, 24-7, was lay on his bed. Now, we sometimes have slept in on a Saturday, and it has been wonderful to get a couple of extra hours in. But this guy was in bed all the time, so it was no special treat for him. Well, he had these friends, and they were standing around talking one day, and they happened to hear about a man by the name of Jesus who was in a nearby town, and he was healing people. Well, these friends said to one another, we, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. We've got to get him there. How are we going to do it? He can't walk. We don't have our chariot. Well, I guess the only thing we can do is we're going to carry him. So they made kind of a mat for him. They took a couple of long poles. They strapped some animal skins between these poles. And the four of them, one on each corner, gently lifted him up. And off down that long road, they went. Well, they'd been walking quite a long time, and soon they came upon this town, many homes. And in front of one of the homes were hundreds of people. They were wrapped around the entire house. And these friends stopped a ways off, and they thought, what now? We, we can't even get close to the house, and we know that Jesus is in that house. It never occurred to them to turn around and go back home. They said... We've got to get a plan. So they talked a bit, and then three of them headed back into a town, a nearby town, and did a little shopping, and then they came back. They lifted up their friend again, one on each end of the poles, and they began to kind of elbow their way toward the house. And the house was just jam-packed with people, Every single one of the doors had people jammed in it. You couldn't even get near a window. 
They were all in there, and even sitting on the windowsill. You couldn't get anywhere close to it. And so they thought, what are we going to do? Well, they got their way as close as they could to the house on a side of the house that didn't have doors or windows, so there wasn't as many people there. And one of the fellows had gone down to town, and what he brought back with him was a ladder. And so he took that ladder, and they set it up on the side of this house, and he began to climb. Now, the, one of the other men had brought back some ropes, and they had tied one long rope on, on the corner of each of the ends of the mat, um, and so they were able to lift him that way. And the one guy, the first guy, he kind of grabbed both of them, and he started pulling them up, and he says, now, now you guys got to support the other end, or he's going to go shooting down. So they were on the other end, and they were pushing up as he climbed up the stairs, and they got him up and up and up and up. Pretty soon, he was on the top of the house. Now, the houses in those days did not have peaked roofs. They didn't have mansard roofs. <laughs> they were flat. And they were made out of dried uh, mud and clay and probably had a layer of um, hard sod on top. They were like concrete. It was hard up there. Well, they got their friend up there, and they had him laying up there, now, the third guy had gone to town, and he'd found a shovel. So he took his shovel, and he started in on that roof. Bam! Not much happened. And he hit it again and again and again, and after a long time, he had a hole about that big. But he didn't stop. He didn't stop. He kept digging, and he dug, and he dug, and he dug. And they probably took turns. And pretty soon, they had a hole that was large enough so that they could lower their friend down. And they did, with those ropes on the end of those poles, they lowered him down, 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 and pretty soon he was laying on the ground right at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looked down at him, laying down there, and he looked up at the four guys looking down from above, and he said, Friends, your faith has... I, because of your faith, I can say your sins are forgiven. Well, the Pharisees were sitting over here, keeping an eye on Jesus, listening to what he was saying and what he was doing. And uh, in their hearts, they were thinking, who does this guy think he is? Your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking and what was in their heart. And so he turned to them and he said, is it harder for someone to forgive sins? or to heal someone. And he said, just so you guys know that the Son of Man has the authority to heal and to forgive sin, he turned back to the lame man who was on the ground, and he said, I say to you, and I think if he hadn't said, I say to you, everybody in the room that needed healing would have been healed at that moment. But he said, I say to you, get up. Take up your mat, and you can go home. And the Bible says immediately, the lame man leaped right up off of the ground. He leaped, and I bet he was so excited. He hadn't felt his legs or been on his legs. He was leaping around. He was testing out his feet and his legs to make sure they were holding him. Can you imagine the joy that that man felt right then? Because the Lord had healed him right then and there. Well, what do you think would have happened if 
when Jesus told him to get up, he said, you, you, don't, you don't see the whole problem. I've been lame all my life. I, the legs don't work. What are you asking me to do? He didn't. He trusted, he obeyed, and he leaped right up because the Lord had healed him. Do you have friends today that need to come to the Lord for healing? They might need to be healed of something physical. It might be a spiritual healing. But can you be as tenacious as these four men were to get their friend to Jesus? I think their motto might have been, leave no friend behind. They wanted them all brought to Jesus. And they didn't, they didn't stop because the road was tough. They didn't stop because the roof was tough or the people were too deep in front of the house. They just kept going. They wanted their friend to meet Jesus. And that should be our goal this week as well, to get our friends to meet Jesus. All right. Who knows what the first L word was? Yes. The Lord. That's a good one. What was another one? Yes. The lame man. And what did he do? Oh, yes. He leaped right up in the air. And because he was so happy that the Lord had healed him and all the people that were there, they rejoiced with him. And they said, today we have seen remarkable things happen. And it can happen when you bring your friends to meet Jesus. Amen. Good listening today. Thank you, dear Sue. So what was the fourth L word? The ladder. Amen. That's so great. Thank you, Sue. God's given you a great gift. Okay, children. Now I think Mr. Glenn and Dawn and others are ready for you, and they've got some more wonderful ways for you to get to know Jesus. Little ones up through grade four. And for the rest of us... Uh, if you want to open your copy of God's Word for a few minutes with us, let's look at our theme verse, Proverbs chapter 3, and then we'll link that with another couple of scriptures. Last week, when I brought you the theme verse, I shared with you that Gene Groff and I just couldn't seem to find a picture yet that fit. And so I invited you to send your pictures, and many of you did. Here's just a few of them that you have sent to us. Beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We started last week looking at that word trust. I've added a couple of more thoughts to it that you see there in your notes. Would you agree that trust is ageless? From the time that little infants are learning to trust their parents, all the way until older folks are releasing their grip on life and stepping into eternity, trust is an important part of the human journey, right? And when you learn it well... It really fulfills your life. It's true in every culture, everywhere in the world. Isn't it true that trust, we saw last week, is faith in action? That's what Sue's story was all about. Trust is built. Trust is built through experience. The more that you experience that you can trust a person, the more you trust them. That's why in a marriage it's so important to keep building trust. And we learned last week that trust, even though it's very strong, it's fragile, and it can be broken quite easily. I love the flags in this room, as you know, and one of the reasons is it reminds us 
that there are some people who have left this place trusting in God and have gone and one of those people sent me this letter today and I have copies of it out at the information centers Todd and Rebecca Cook write we have experienced a bit of trauma last Thursday while at a Bible study our house was broken into and we were robbed the thief evidently knew our pattern and knew how much time he had so he was meticulous at choosing even having time to go into our attic and rummage around he did throw many of our things around and looked everywhere just like you would see on television a house that has been ransacked fortunately by God's grace we were not home if he was the violent type however the police think they know who it is and he's not a violent type so he just waited until he knew we were out I'm writing this from my wife's computer which he missed by mistake when her large tin of sewing needles and things came crashing down on her computer and he likely decided to leave them due to all the ruckus he did make away with Rebecca's purse and cards keys for the house and my car my computer another computer camera watches money etc he also took our innocence and our trust of the people among whom we live our feelings of earthly security and safety and quite a bit of our energy there are now forms to fill out and the feeling of not knowing if we can leave our house empty and who among our neighbors can't we trust we are recovering but we ask you to pray for us to be Christ-like in this wake of a storm I put their uh, email addresses there in hopes that maybe you'd jot those down and shoot them an email note of encouragement Todd and Rebecca they live in England as you may know they intentionally have chosen to live in a large community primarily of Muslim peoples and other immigrants from other parts of the world how do you rebuild your trust when it's broken especially if your trust is broken by the people to whom you believe God has brought you to love them and to draw them to Jesus how do you build your trust in the Lord in the first place last week we considered and may I bring you there again in your notes in the worship folder today that trust in the Lord begins with trusting God for who he claims himself to be and all through the scripture God describes himself to us I give you one verse there I am the Lord I am the first and I'm the last and apart from me there is no God God is telling us he's an eternal God he's a unique God he is unlike any other God he's creator he's sustainer in fact why don't you give me a few more of the attributes the character of God that helps you trust him what would be some he's holy everlasting is that what I heard refuge is that what I heard say it again loving it would be a good thing for you to sovereign I heard you say Dennis it'd be a good thing for you to just make a list of all the great attributes of God that he proclaims about himself because those are his words to you and to me inviting you to trust him on the basis of what he says about himself last week we considered that God invites us to trust him because he's true and he speaks truth hmm? I am the Lord I speak the truth I declare what is right how many times did Jesus say I tell you the truth hmm? wouldn't it be good if you would consider making a list of some of the great truths that God proclaims to you and to me 
truths about him, truths about us, truths about what is right and what is wrong. Like we saw last week, truths about when does life begin, truths about what is a God-honoring marriage, and on and on. You can trust God because he's true, and he speaks unchanging truth. Am I right? Last week we saw that you can trust God because he's a God who loves to give you guidance. Do you remember that Jesus said he's going to send the Holy Spirit who will guide us? All through biblical history, God is seeking to lead, guide his people. You can trust his guidance. I'm the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you and who directs you in the way you should go. God invites us to trust him because his promises are always reliable. Amen? God calls us to trust him because his purposes will be accomplished. He says, I will do that which I please and I have planned. And he invites us to join him in his accomplishments of his purposes. Think about that. That is the highest value of life that you are invited by God to join him in what he's doing to accomplish his purposes for his glory. Wow. Trust in the Lord. Last week we took a look at the name Lord, and you remember that I gave you several examples. Here's a couple of more. Remember this name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Genesis 22 with Abraham, remember? How about this one? Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace with Gideon. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. God speaking to Abraham, saying, I know you're a very old man and your wife is a very old woman, but I am almighty God, the all-sufficient one. You will have a miracle, son, and I will do it. Eloi, Hagar, you are the God who sees me and knows me. And I urged you last week, and I'm urging you to continue, make a list of as many names of God that you can find in the Bible. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> what is it that you are doing now at this stage in your life with all all your heart. Anything? <laughs> what does it look like when you trust God entirely, 150%, no holding back, no looking for a plan B just in case? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Last week we mentioned that does not mean you hide your brain in a bucket or you bury your head in the sand. What it means is when what you think is the right path for you and what God is leading you to, and those two things are not in harmony, be very careful you don't go the way you think is right. Make sure you follow God's direction. Keeping your life in alignment with Him, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge Him, is perhaps the way you memorized it. May I suggest to you that that word acknowledge in our day, the way that we tend to use it, seems... May I use your word, uh, Susan? Kind of lame. <laughs> so may I suggest, uh, this might be a better word to use, honor. In all your ways, honor him, and he will direct your paths. 
Now let's look at three or four different specific ways. And would you turn back in your Bible just a couple of pages to Psalm 119. Look at the way that Psalm 119 begins as it challenges us to think about in all your ways acknowledge or honor him. Do you see the first couple of verses? Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Do you see the link with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. You see the link? They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you, O God, with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Hmm. In your notes, I reminded you that back in Ezekiel, God says to the prophet Ezekiel, tell the people, turn, turn from your wicked ways. I find no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Turn. Let me rescue you and change you. Okay, so what are some ways in which we honor him? How about with our minds? How do I honor God with my mind? My thinking, I've given you some scriptures there as you see it. Paul writes to the Philippians, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, think about those things. Now, be honest now and just think back a little bit. How much of your day is spent thinking about good things, right things, pure things, holy things, and how much of your day and mine is, may I use the word stained, tainted by the fact that you and I live in a broken, evil world. How often during the day do you find your mind distracted from pure, right, holy, noble, and find yourself thinking down in the dark stuff of our world? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but, what did Paul write? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? When we immerse our mind in God's truth and we reject the things that so easily want to distort our thinking, cloud our thinking, stain our thinking, draw our minds down into those dark places that are not God-honoring. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. But the sinful mind is hostile to God. Okay? I'm starting to get it now. I trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your mind ways, honor God. If all of my thinking all the time was God honoring, yes, then I can see that God would be able to direct my paths. Because my mind would not be cluttered by things that are dishonoring to God. How about my heart? Create in me a pure heart, David wrote. Remember? Cursed is the one who trusts in man whose heart turns away from the Lord. The heart is deceitful above all things, the prophet Jeremiah writes. Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life, Solomon writes. All right, 
what are the things that somehow amazingly have the ability to creep their way in from out here in this dark world all the way into the depths of your heart how does that happen and you find in your heart that you're lusting after things that can only hurt you you're finding in your heart deceitful things anger resentment bitterness well how does that happen in part it happens when we're not guarding our hearts in part it happens because we're human beings and we have a natural propensity to allow those things to be drawn in but what happens when you and I invite him to cleanse our hearts to fill our hearts with his Holy Spirit to give us clean hearts and pure hearts and to guard our hearts so that our emotions, our feelings, our hearts are true to him and are available to him give me a few words my friends that depict or describe the kind of a heart that God can then lead as he directs your steps what would be a few words that describe that kind of a heart say it again okay he strengthens your heart yes a broken heart a tender heart before God is one that he can lead a purified heart is one that he can lead a pliable heart oh that's a great word a transparent heart a teachable heart oh thank you a humble heart so I guess God you're asking me to listen and ask myself do I have a heart like that or do I have a distracted heart do I have a hard heart do I have a prideful heart do I have a resentful heart a resistant heart to what you'd like to do in me you start to get the idea if you and I will learn to to honor him with in all my ways of my mind and honor him in all the ways of my heart yes then I'm positioned for him to direct my paths how about my words honor him with my words it, Paul writes to the Ephesians remember don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only that which is helpful for what for building others up according to what according to their needs which means I have to listen a lot more than I talk so that as I listen to what you say and I'm praying while you're talking I'm going to hopefully be able to bring something that's helpful huh? but every one of us in this room has been wounded by folks who said things and it hurt deeply or, or we've been with folks haven't we and as we've been talking we can just see it in their eyes they can't wait for us to take a breath so they can unload on us all that they like to tell us right what if I honored him with my words remembering that my words are flowing out of my heart and have been filtered through my mind how about a fourth one what if I honored him in the way that I live true to my identity now before I met Christ I did live true to my identity Ephesians 2 talks to us about how wicked but now I am a new creation in Christ right as I've trusted Jesus Christ to be my Savior and so Peter writes your new identity is this you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God <laughs> once you weren't not a people but now you're a people of God what if I live true to my identity honoring him with my choices my attitudes my lifestyle that is true to my God-given identity 
then would it be fairly easy for him to direct my paths because he wouldn't have to be constantly yanking the chain on my neck. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. You're living according to a deceitful things, selfish things, lustful things. I would be delighted to be walking in his path and there wouldn't be a chain around my neck. There would be a heart fully yielded to him, living true to my identity. Huh? Now, occasionally I have the situation that I have right now. The outline uh, is at least done enough for me to give it to the team that works with me and they prepare it and they proof it and they multiply it, uh, photocopy it so it's ready for you. But God is still working. I call that fresh beans in the soup. So you, you got your pen? Here's some fresh beans for the soup. How about, how about God is talking about when I acknowledge him with my relationships? So here's four scriptures you might want to just jot down because it's not in your notes. Hmm. Remember, when Paul writes, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. What if I honored God in my relationships in that way? Or, or what about this one? When Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, what if that was true in all my relationships? Or, or how about this one? Paul writes, this is especially great for a marriage. This is the key to a great marriage. These few little verses. Serve one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands, wives, serving each other, saying, God, thank you. You brought this wonderful woman into my life. So I, I serve her. I serve him out of reverence, out of celebration of what you've done in bringing us together. And forgive one another just as in Christ, God forgave you. What if I honored him in my relationships? Would he then be able to direct my paths? But if my relationships are dysfunctional and wounding, do you see that before he can direct my path, he's going to have to challenge my heart to fix broken relationships? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding, your own thinking, when that runs contrary to God. In all your ways, honor Him, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Now, how does He do that? Can I give you four or five examples? Well, I have found here's the first. Hebrews tells us that this is living and active and It'll penetrate right down into the core of your being. So may I ask you a question? How many of us in this room, you have found yourself in a place where you've got a really important decision to make? A and so you say, God, that is a miracle book. It's living. Speak to me through your word. Guide me in this decision. Can I see your hand if you have found that to work in your life? Where you've gone to the word of God when you had an important decision to make, and God gave you direction. He directed your path. Yeah. And you marked in the margin of the Bible what the date was and what the issue was, right? Because you found it to be true. How about this one? How many times did Jesus say, follow me? My sheep know my voice, and they listen to my voice, and they follow me. They trust me. 
Hebrews, you remember our theme verse from a few years ago? Run with perseverance the race marked out before you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter. So as you read particularly the Gospels in the New Testament, do you get the sense you really get to know Jesus? And you can understand how he would react in the situation that you're in. What steps he would take. How he wants to direct your path. How about the Holy Spirit alive and well in you, guiding you? That's what Jesus promised. I'll send you another counselor who will guide you. Have you found it in worship? As you're worshiping him with, with other dear folks, that, that God very often guides you, speaks to you through the power of the songs that you're singing, the power of the music that's penetrating doubt into your heart, especially when you're singing God's word. How about prayer? Have you found that in your conversation time with God, remember Nehemiah? He heard the news of Jerusalem's walls still broken down, and he was deeply grieved, and he went to prayer, not just for a day or two, for, but for weeks, four months, during which time God gave him a plan, an idea, so that when he came before the king, and the king said, What's the matter with you today? You look so sad. Well, he prayed, it says, and then he laid out before the king, Here's why I'm sad, and here's a plan. And the king granted him all that he needed to accomplish the plan. How often does God speak into your prayer time with him, directing your paths? May I give you one last one? Turn around and look at a couple people for just a second. You don't have to say anything. Just look around for a minute. As you do that, do you see some people that you know and you care about? Did you see anybody that you trust? In this amazing thing called the church, God's people. Each of us, if you have trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, do you learn, have you learned that we can trust one another? We can ask each other to speak into our life situation so that when you're facing something, you can call a trusted friend. May I share with you what's going on in my life? May I ask you please to pray about it and then speak into my life situation. What does the Spirit of God stir in your heart about what's going on in my life situation? It's how we carry one another's burdens. It's the privilege of being the body of Christ, of counseling each other, encouraging each other, speaking truth into each other's lives. Have you learned, though, you have to be really careful about that if somebody calls you with that request? Because you would sure like to advise them to do it the way you'd like them to do it. Right? Instead of, God, do you have a word for me? that you'd like me to speak into this person who has opened up their heart and their life before me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge, honor him, and he'll direct your paths. Now when I told you last week I didn't have a picture, there was a nine-year-old girl sitting among us in whose mind a picture began to develop. And when she got home, her daddy told me that she took paper and pen uh, and crayons and started drawing. Here's two pictures that have come from her. I wonder what you see in the picture. And the next one, dear. Wow. Any wonder God loves children so much? Now, what's going on in your heart? 
and in your mind as you consider the power of this verse. I promise you, every one of us in this room, every person associated with Calvary, every person in this county is going to have many opportunities before the end of 2015 to decide, do I want to live the verse or set it aside and do it my own way? Lord Jesus Christ, we now want to sit quietly before you for a couple of moments. You often asked people to come away from the crowds and be with you quietly. So each of us in this room right now has a quiet, private couple of minutes with God. Trust in the Lord God. Honestly now, how big is your trust? Where don't you think you can trust God? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why do we tend to hold back? And lean not on your own understanding. What is it about each of our situations that we don't think God fully understands? What situation or problem do you believe is too complex, too big for God to deal with? Why do we have this natural tendency that says, I'm going to have to help God solve this one? Trust in the Lord with all your heart Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, honor him. Look deeply into your own life. Does your mind, what goes on in your mind, how you use your mind, your thinking, does that honor God at all times? Does the condition of your heart, what you allow into your heart, honor God at all times. Your words, your attitudes. Your relationships. Honor God. Are you living true to your identity? A chosen people, a royal priesthood. And he will direct your path. Why don't you invite him right now into whatever the situations are in your life where you know you need God's guidance. And as we worship you, O oh God, we worship you with a whole heart, inviting you to guide us, to direct our paths, or to convict us of whatever it is that is getting in the way of you leading us forward. We worship you.